podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to Postmatch Almost medium rare, but we do have a main guest, so I can I suppose we can go by uh, post match raw. Uh, but I'll introduce him in a sec. I have two usual guests, Dave Horrocks, who will now be called Horrocks for the rest of this pod. How are you doing, Horrocks? I'm very good, sir. How is yourself? Relieved. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'll go with. Um, also, we have Lisa Marie with us. How are you doing, Lisa Marie? Doing fine, Guy. Thank you. And I will also go in the relieved category. Good stuff, good stuff. We also have Hendrik from the main pod. This feels like University Challenge. How are you doing, Hendrik? I'm good, mate. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Um, Horrocks, I'll start with you because I, I spoke to Dave about this on his show on Two Footed. Obviously, Nottingham Forest means a lot to Liverpool fans for a, for a variety of reasons. I don't want to get into the Hillsborough stuff too much. Um, but you mentioned when we were sorting guests this would be an emotional occasion. How were you feeling before the game? Yeah, it was a bit of a weird one leading up to it. Obviously, Hillsborough has never left our kind of uh, our thoughts really because of everything that's happened since that you know fateful day. But it's just something weird when the you know when it was clear we were going to play there and and first time we played him in the FA Cup. I, I just had a lot of memories flooding back from that day kind of remembered where I was. Um, I, I missed the start of the, I, I missed the kickoff, but I remember being in town and hearing it on the radio and like there was some trouble that, that they were talking about and stuff and then going home and watching it on TV and stuff. So it was really weird. It was kind of, it was all flooding back, uh, you know, as if it was a couple of years ago or something. So it was kind of touched as well by the way Forrest had, had kind of reserved those 97 seats. I thought that was a great touch by the club. But to be honest, you know, leading up to the, uh, you know, the f- first few minutes before the match and like the atmosphere and then certainly when it kicks off, all that went out the window. <laughs> I was like, let's beat these fuckers. Forgot about all of that. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, it was nice because I don't really have a connection to Nottingham Forest, but it was nice to see a big club have a big occasion. I've played Arsenal pretty much every season in the FA Cup for some reason, but this felt like a bit bigger, or maybe just because I've actually paid attention this time. Um, but Lisa Marie, I'll come to you then for our starting eleven, which maybe went stronger than some people would have thought of, but I suppose it is an international break coming up. What what did you make of the uh, the starting eleven? It was not exactly what I what I expected, um, but since it looked like we had a lot that weren't necessarily available, I mean, even on the bench, um, you know, kind of, you know, you do that first glance and you're kind of like, 
Oh, and then and then you look at who the subs that are, you know, that are going to be there and then you go, well, okay, that that kind of makes sense. I think the one that probably maybe surprised me the most was was Oxlade Chamberlain, but not necessarily. Um, Elliot playing up front surprised me a little bit, but I wasn't necessarily mm. surprised to see him in the starting lineup. So, um, yeah, I mean, just again, you know, we expected Gomez to play, or I did anyway, to play for Trent. Um, so putting Kanate and Van Dyke there in, in the back and, and Samikas, I think was, was expected for Robertson, um, mm-hmm. even though Robert Robo wasn't even on the bench. So I guess he's, he's ill now too, but, but yeah, it was, it was mostly what I expected. It didn't, didn't surprise me. I kind of thought maybe he might start Hindo for Fabino instead, but, but yeah, overall it didn't, I wasn't like really shocked and surprised. Yeah, maybe a couple of things. I do agree on the Elliot one because we've only seen him in the one position so far. But maybe we'll get into that as the game goes along. But uh, Hendrick, <laughs> I'm going to have to get used to that. Hendrick, I'll come to you for the uh, the Forest starting 11. I, you, you've seen a bit more of them than most of us on, on the panel. Uh, the commentator was saying they usually play a back three with Spence uh, as a wing back, which I know isn't from the Borough days as well. Mm. Um, anything surprise you out of their team? Yeah, I was a bit surprised they went with a back four. They are nominally a back three team under Steve Cooper. So that did surprise me. Um, Without Scott McKenna on the bench, I'm wondering if that's kind of the logic behind it. He didn't trust anyone else to step in instead of Scott McKenna. So they've gone with the the back four. And to be fair, Jed Spence is very comfortable as a right back. Joe Worrell's probably happier in a back four than he is in the three. The other two are... The figure eight, figure eight is a little bit soft, and that's kind of why a three suits him. Jack Callback just isn't a fullback. He's a, a midfielder who can play as a wing back, but it does sort of suit the rest of the players that they have. Like it suits Yates and Garner to play as a double pivot. Zinkernagel's happier in that number 10 role, and Johnson and Lolly are more naturally wide players. When they play the, the 3 4 3, Johnson often plays on the right and plays it quite narrow. and can get a little bit lost some games, still a very young player, still developing. But, you know, he, he caused Gomez a few problems today. Um, that that was a bit of a surprise that they went went back for. But I also think Steve Cooper is a very, very clever fella. And I think he'll have looked at the history of teams playing a back three against us, especially one who've got slower, wide centre-backs like Joe Worrell. Mm-hmm. And he'll have thought, up against their pace, we could get out properly opened up here. So back four made sense for for that reason and for the fact that without McKenna, you'd really be throwing in somebody who hasn't played a whole bunch this season. No, that's a good point because we used to pretty much tear open free at the back. And I think Scott McKenna's a big lad as well who was obviously injured. But yeah, not uh, the quickest back free possibly for them if they were to play it. But uh, Hendrick, I'll stay with you. The game kind of started a bit strangely. We started quite well. Elliot had an offside opportunity off a nabby pass. Uh, Forrest had a chance. I've noted down here, our right-hand side was a bit sloppy, but it's probably the first time they've played together. I mean, Gomez is right back, Ox is a right centre midfielder, and Elliot's not played that position since he was at Blackburn. I mean, what was your thoughts on the start and and our right-hand side being a tad sloppy? Yeah, I didn't. I didn't really like the Harvey Elliott selection in the front three. I don't think it's a position that suits him. I think if you're going to play Harvey in that kind of role, you've got to play a 4-2-3-1. 
rather mm. than playing him right up as a, as an inside forward. He just gets a little bit lost in the traffic there. Um, and, you know, especially when he's playing there, when Joe is playing as the right back, and as good as Joe is defensively, we know he's got limitations on the ball. So you're, you're asking an awful lot of that right-sided midfielder. And there was moments where Ox played there and did things that looked quite good and just the final ball didn't come off. But all in all, that right side was a bit clogged, whereas the left side looked a bit more fluid and there was a lot more movement with Hostas mm-hmm. with Naby dropping in and picking the ball up and getting things moving. And then obviously Jota with his movement and pace, though obviously he didn't, didn't play very well today, but he got his goals, so we'll, you know, we'll, we'll get let him away. We'll, get through, we'll we? let him away with it. But yeah, no, the, the Harvey selection, I would have been happier seeing Harvey play on the right of the midfield three and Ox play on the right of the front three if he mm. was going to pick that 11 players. I think that probably would have benefited both of them more, but it is what it is. It's one to one to mark down that something that doesn't work. And at least the big thing is with Harvey especially, it's minutes in his legs. He missed so much of the season. We're at a very delicate point of the season where we can't really afford any passengers in any more games. So the likelihood of him getting a lot of league games while he's still trying to get his groove back is pretty low. This was the game to give Harvey an opportunity, and it worked. You know, we, we, it worked because we won. If we had lost, then obviously it's a different conversation. Yeah, that's a good point, and I'll come to you with that, Horrocks. I mean, Harvey's had a obviously very disrupted season, and since his injury, he came back had a, a couple okay games, but maybe just well, he's obviously very young, and the disruption won't have helped, but. I mean, what what would you make about that? Maybe his maybe his last start of the season, maybe. But we we've seen recently maybe Jones overtake him, and Naby certainly cemented himself at least as the fourth centre mid. So maybe the least we see of Harvey. But good to get the minutes in his legs, as Dave says. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. And I I think they're obviously very different players, but I almost feel like it's the same conundrum as as we had with Coutinho, where. The temptation is to put him in the front three, but he's so much better coming in from the the midfield in that deeper position. I I just, I didn't like it. Um, But to be honest, with what happened with Elliot earlier this year, I just see everything as a bonus. I I think it's, for him, it's not about this season. Um, It's all about just getting that sharpness back, you know, contributing where he can. But it's all about ramping up for next season, I I feel like. I, I don't know... With the league and the Champions League, I don't know how much of a role he's going to have. Um, and, and I'd agree. I, I think having Ox maybe in the front three, I don't think he's great there either. But mm-hmm. maybe that would have been a better way to, to change it around. Yeah, it's a good part. I mean, I think direct direct backup for Moore is probably something we might have to address in the summer. But yeah, with... Uh... With the squad options that we had, it would it would have probably been one that one of them too because we've seen Minamino, for instance, we played Cade Gordon over him in that position. In I can't remember the league game, but it was around the Arsenal Cup tie, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, but Lisa Marie, I'll come to you for the next part of the game. I mean, this is kind of where the Jota stuff starts. Jota gets sent through, gets tackled by the defender because he can't be bothered shooting. Um, Jota leaves a Gomez cross for some reason. Don't know why. Maybe one of the Nottingham Forest players shouted him. Um, then Forest have a couple chances. Fab has a chance from a low corner. Um, and that's pretty much it before the Bobby chance, which we'll come back to specifically. But it was it was a bit of a back and forth game. But I think we certainly had the the uh, best of it, Lisa Marie. 
I, I agree. I think we, we started off, um, you know, with a good tempo, um, fast start, high tempo is what I kind of written down um, in my notes for the start. And, you know, so we looked up for it, but we did, we, we looked a little bit, I don't want to say unorganized, but, but I think it was just a culmination of all the changes. And, and as previously mentioned by one of the Daves, I think that, you know, that down the right side, you know, none of those players had you know, played together kind of in that combination before. So it, I think it was a little bit of them just kind of getting their rhythm and their, you know, and reading each other um, for the game. But yeah, poor Jada, I mean, bless his heart. I mean, he just couldn't hold on to the ball today. I don't know what the problem mm -hmm. was. <laughs> well, it's not been just today. Um, but, you know, but I will say, you know, we started at, and, you know, we, you know, we seem to be pressing pretty well and but there was a lot of just sort of miscued passes not just Shada but but a few others as well and um you could really see I think even I had made a note that the lack of rhythm from Ox and Harvey was kind of evident I mean not just with each other but not having really played much in the last mm. few weeks as well yeah that's a good point I mean rustiness is probably the uh, worst thing for football but our squad's pretty deep at the minute for once, so you can't really escape it for some well, that, players. And, I mean, it's been mentioned before. I mean, Ox really does seem to be a rhythm player, and he just, when he de when he is able to string a couple, you know, games together, you start seeing improvement in his play. But, you know, that hasn't been the case here lately. Again, because, you know, this is the great problem to have is we do have the squad depth. Um, and, yeah, so I, it, but he, yeah, he just, he just didn't really seem to, to play into it well today. Yeah, but we'll maybe maybe come to a deeper discussion with him at the end of the first half because I think I want to discuss a few things about Diogo. But before we get there, Hendrick, I'll come to you. Bobby, he still doesn't do one on ones unless it's against Arsenal, does he? No, he doesn't, and that was a bit of a strange one because he seemed to almost have a little bit too much time. I don't know if he thought he was offside. Or what, but he kept looking around himself as if he was waiting for a flag or whatever, and he didn't fully commit to the finish. You would have just liked to have seen him just put his foot through the ball and put it past the keeper and not be pricking about. Um, I, I didn't think Bobby played well today at all. Mm -hmm. Dave Maddock is trying to claim he was man of the match, which is a very strange take for me. I thought Bobby, like the other two in the front three, were really poor. And I was actually surprised he stayed on when Klopp made the the four subs. I thought Bobby would be one of the ones to go off. Um, it, it is it's a funny thing. Like there's just certain games Bobby plays, Bobby does well, and then he goes in for another game and he's just absolutely shocking. And today was just one of those games where nothing seemed to work from his touch didn't seem right, his passing was off, his pressing wasn't great. And obviously, you know, as we saw in that chance, his finishing wasn't good either. Yeah, we've got a couple of shouts from the chat. I mean, about a few players maybe worth selling and some people buying. But Hendrik, I'll stay with you. I mean, Sandeep said sell Ox, in my opinion. Jake Lee mm. said sell Minamino or Joe Gomez. A bit harsh on Gomez today, I think. Uh, keep Bobby. We need Nkunku or Rafinha, which would be lovely, but... These are the games where certain people need to impress. I think Gomez certainly, but he's not, not in his position. I thought he was mostly fine. 
I thought Joe played well. I, I no, thought Joe played well. The only thing with Joe, and I've said this before, Gomez is, is, is 25 before the end of this season. And there will come a point where Joe Gomez needs to be playing every single week. Joe Gomez is the best English centre-back right now. And he's fourth choice at Liverpool. And the guy he's the backup to is Virgil van Dijk. People keep saying, oh, but like Matip is 30-31. And he, Matip and, and Gomez don't play the same position anymore. Gomez, when he plays centre-back, plays the left side. Kanate is the one who will take Matip, uh, Joe Matip's position. Joe is behind Virgil. Virgil doesn't miss many games. And Virgil could have five or six. When we see Thiago Silva still playing fairly well at 37, why wouldn't Virgil be able to still be able to do that at 35, 36, 37? There's no reason at all. With his physical ability and the way he reads the game. So Gomez has to be looking at it and thinking... There isn't a future here for me in the team. So the logic to sell Gomez would only be if he asks to go. And if he's happy to stay, great. Yeah. But if he asks to go, that's where you sell him. Uh, I think Ox should go. And it wouldn't surprise me if we don't see Ox again. Because he plays so infrequently. And he did not look at all happy coming off today. He seemed no, to be having a little bit of a strop. Yeah. And it wouldn't surprise me if come the summer, Ox asks to go. And Klopp will let him go. He's been a decent servant. He's played a role in success. But that big knee injury he had against Roma back in 2018 just derailed his career. And he's never looked the same player since. He had a run in the title winning season where he scored some goals. But he can't string consistent games together. And I just... I don't think that's going to be something. Uh, James says Joe Gomez has played RCB for almost all his Liverpool career. He has. He has because we had Sacco initially, who was a left-footed, left-side centre-back, and then we had Virgil. And that's why Joe played on the right. But every game Joe has played at centre-back this season has been the left-sided role. He's not played right-side once. It was the same thing in pre-season. Joe Gomez is Virgil's backup, and Kanate is Matip's backup. So when Matip is to be passed out, it will be by Kanate, the 21-year-old monster that we've spent a fortune on. That's the guy who takes that position. Joe Gomez is either the third-choice right centre-back or the second-choice left centre-back. Neither of them are good for him. So the idea that with with Gomez, like he's going to get in the team eventually. Yeah, if Virgil plays for four more years and then decides to go, Joe Gomez is 29. Mm. He was, he's 29. He's too and good as to, things he's stand, too he's far too good to be that. And as things stand, like he's already lost a bunch of seasons in his career. Probably Just take a look at, at what Joe Gomez has done in his career. He joined us and he blew out his ACL that first season. He played five games in the league, seven in all competitions, blew out his ACL season over. The following season, he played three games, all in the FA Cup. Then he had three seasons where... He played a lot. He broke his leg in that 18-19 season, but still managed 25 games. Last season, he played 12. This season, he's got 14, like five league appearances. I think he's, if I'm not mistaken, he's under 100 minutes in the Premier League this season. And that's not yeah. going to change. Like, Virgil's going to play 35 league games a season. So Joe's going to stick around for three. Mm. I could see him giving it one more year, but Joe Gomez is not going to be at Liverpool long term. He's too good. He's far too good. He he is the best fourth choice centre back 
anywhere on the planet. He's too good to be that. He he needs to be first choice somewhere. And if you look up and down the league, outside of ourselves and City, he starts for basically everybody else. Everybody else. He starts for United. He starts for Arsenal. Starts for Spurs. Starts for West Ham. Like he's that good. He starts for everybody, and he'll if know Gomez that. Sticks about. I think that'd be a good move for him. At Spurs. Yeah, Gomez would be great at Spurs. He'd be absolutely brilliant in in that Spurs back three. He's the perfect fit for it. He's too good to sit on our bench, and he'll know it as well. Like he could start right back for most of the teams in the league because he's really good there as well. Like he's not great going forward, but he's solid enough going forward. He's brilliant defensively. Like we saw some of his defensive actions today. Mm. So, so quick, so so explosive. That was the big thing I took from Gomez today. That one instance where he, re- with his recovery speed, mm-hmm. that's where you saw, like, he is back at full speed now. And that's a huge thing for him as well. So he knows now he can trust that leg. So he's not going to want to sit on the bench. He, he's too good. Yeah, and Horrocks, I'll come to you. I mean, feel free to add anything on what Hendricks mentioned there. Not saying, yeah. Sorry, you go. I, I, I I hope that Gomez doesn't go because I, I completely agree with Dave there. I, I just think he's too good. I, I can't believe how few minutes he's had. You know, and if you look at last season, (laughs) where basically all of our centre backs were injured, um, you know, you end up with Genie and Henderson playing at the back there. It's just everyone seems to have stayed fit this year, which is great. But it's just ended up with this bizarre anomaly where mm. Gomez just hasn't have to played. Yeah. yeah, and and so I don't know. You just you, injuries are part of the game, aren't they? And it just so happens that this year we've been quite lucky at centre back. So I do hope that he sticks around, but I wouldn't begrudge him if he moved on as well, because like I say, he's twenty five now. I, I tell you where he'd make the biggest difference is United. I'd absolutely hate to see him go there. But if you look at the pace that they've got at the back, Gomez would transform well, that back line. They'd still play him with Harry Maguire, so probably not. Well, true, <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> But yeah, so so that's all i got to say to Gomez. Would would really mm-hmm. hate to see him go. Would love to see him get you know a good, solid couple of seasons. Because when, when him and Virgil were playing at the back, they, they just looked unbeatable. You know, for a while there. So, um, so yeah. So, so sorry. I was, I was just adding that. Is, isn't that Virgil and everybody though? True. Like Virgil and everybody looks unbeatable. Virgil even made Dejan Lovren look like a, you know, competent centre back despite oh, years of proof. <laughs> just on Joe, he's got 102 minutes in the Premier League this season. Yeah. 102 minutes. Now, Joe, like I said, he'll be 25 at the end of the season. In his career, he has played. 12,300 minutes. Now, bear in mind, he made his debut for Charlton in the 14-15 season. Trent is two years younger than Joe. Trent has 19,000 minutes and didn't make his debut till when? 17, 18? Mm. Like three years later, and he's already got 7,000 minutes more. It just shows, like, with the injuries Joe has had, and then obviously just the quality that's ahead of him this season is, is just, it's mind-blowing that we have four centre-backs this good. Like last year, we're watching Jordan Henderson frolic about like a cow in a field with no earthly idea what he's meant to be doing at centre-back because we were so stuck. And this year, we've got four lads 
who literally start for basically every team in Europe. Every team in Europe would take Joe Gomez. Every team in Europe would take Kanate. You know, you look at, at Bayern with the calamity they've had centre-back this year. They'd take both of those lads to start. Real Madrid would take would take Joe Gomez to start. Barca would take Joe Gomez to start. And the Bayern same thing through to the Premier League. Bayern, Bayern would be great for him. If, if they wanted mm-hmm. to stick to a back three especially, he'd be brilliant. Because the thing with Joe is, everyone thinks, oh, you play him on the right. Joe could play the middle role in a back three with his reading of the game, with how quick he is covering for the other two centre-backs if they step on, how good he is on the ball. He's very, very comfortable carrying the ball into midfield as well. This that we see from Matip, this line-breaking dribbling, Joe was doing that for us three years ago, picking the ball up and carrying it into midfield. Hmm? A fantastic passer as well. Really good passer. Really, really good passer. Both footed as well. Like, remember, Joe came to Liverpool, his first five games were left-back. So Joe can play anywhere. But I think you put him in the middle of a back three and build the defence around him. I think he could be sensational with with his calm head, his organisation, having learned from Virgil for the last four years. That if I was Spurs, I'd buy him and play him there. Play Romero to his right and have him in as the middle one. Because mm. with his pace and, and, rec- and recovery ability, when Romero get, does make that little mistake that he'll often make where he tries to jump a line on something, Gomez can just sweep up nice and comfortably. If I was Spurs, Joe Gomez would top my transfer targets for the summer. And then just get someone to play the left side and they're pretty much sorted. Um, what about Newcastle? Horror- well, they're buying I, Neymar. So. I wouldn't do that to him, though. You're, you're sending them... Like, you might as well send them to Iceland if you're selling them that, send them that far. Like, you waving goodbye to Guy. Like, you can pass Norway. You can see Guy off the coast. Give him a wave. Did you not see the sunshine Iceland. in the Borough game yesterday? That That's that cold winter sun, though. You just get that, 20, you get that all year round. That's true. They must have had the JCBs in early to clear the field of all the snow yesterday, did they? They did. The yeah, I thought so. Oh dear. Uh Horrocks, I'll come to you. I mean, not a not a similar debate, but maybe one for long term fit. I mean, Jota, we've mentioned he has he scored, but he was awful. But that's kind of been the story, not this season, but certainly since he's came back from injury. And I think some people were for the Jota sign and I I was personally a tad indifferent to it because this is this is kind of the player I saw where he had an end product, but he wasn't always there. But in terms of a long-term fit, I can't see him being the one who replaces Mane or Moore's the wide forward. I know we've got, <clears throat> excuse me, I know we've got Diaz for the left now, but I feel like Jota only fits into that central role now. I think the thing that I love about this squad is that it, it's not just one player for one position. You know, we've got genuine options, and I don't think Jota is, you know, he's not a replacement for Mane, he's not a replacement for Mo. I, I just think he's different. Um, mm. I, I mean, I, I, I had no expectations for him. I thought he was all right at Wolves. You know, all right being a bit of an understatement. I thought he was decent for Wolves, but oh. then I didn't think he was going to be the player that he turned out to be. But just the last, you know, since he's come back from his injury, he just hasn't quite looked the same. Now, it's it's ridiculous. He's the winning goal scorer today. Um, but, you know, he, he was a bit crap. You know, the ball just was not sticking to him at all. 
and it was almost for me he was trying a bit too hard he's like trying to throw himself into the ball and just not really doing the simple things well now picking on him a little bit probably but i think a lot of players were were doing that especially in the first half just not doing the simple things well and i'm sure at some point we'll come on about the the english commentary fucking Sam Matterface and Lee Dixon. It's just horrendous. And they're saying, oh yeah, these games, it's not about tactics. It's uh, it's all about the passion. It's like, oh, fuck's sake. That's why you're a commentator. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, that's it. It's the, it's the magic of the FA Cup, isn't it? But I do think the ref let a lot of things go that you wouldn't see uh, let go in the Premier League. A lot of fouls that you would think were fouls. That Elliot was taken out at one point. Uh, I thought he nailed on yellow card that never happened um to be fair yeah. that might just be craig parson who is shit as a referee but how many of them aren't <laughs> just well, that's the, that's of English refereeing is yeah. horrendous um but yeah jota i think he's just going through a bit of a, a bad patch I, I think again he just needs a stretch where you know he can work on his fitness not just recover in between games um, and I think it'll that sharpness will come back. But yeah, I don't think to your original question, he's he's not a replacement for Mane or Mo. He's he's just different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Lisa, me, I mean, same question to you. I mean, Jota, I'm not sure how much you've seen him at Wolves, but he's obviously been here a season and a half now, probably over a half. Um, it's a weird one because we've we've had this we've had our front three for ages and it seems to be developing. I'm not doubting Jota as a squad option by it, but he's just so different to Bobby, who well, as we said earlier, kind of struggled today as well. But it's just weird. Jota just seems very different to what our front three has been for these years. Yes, I I agree. He he is in, and I think it's because. And I said this on a podcast before, I don't remember which one, but I feel like our front three last season had gotten a bit predictable um, in some ways. I mean, I, I think it, just because it had been such, there'd been such consistency with it being, you know, Mane, Bobby, and Mo that, you know, teams kind of knew what to expect from them. So I think Jada's a little bit of a wild card because you know he plays sometimes on the left, he plays in the in the middle, and and you just never really know where he's going to pop up. And he he is a master at scoring those scruffy goals. So, uh, you know, I think in some ways that's kind of his strength is he's he's not I guess his inconsistency is is a bit of a strength because it's just I don't think they can predict what he's going to do. Yeah, one thing for certain is certainly deadly in the box. I mean, we can always we can always work or develop stuff on the out on the outside and build up play. But we have seen at times. I mean, he dribble past the entire Arsenal team at times. But I mean, Hendrick, I'm sure you want to get in the stick because I, I I knew you were a fan of Jota well before we signed him. But it's it, it, an evolution of our front three. But Jota's, I'm not sure where he fits in. But is, do you think he'll always be that fourth man or? I love him in that. I, I love him as that fourth attacker. Like, that's the thing. We, for so long, had three starters and then this enormous drop-off to anybody else. Mm. And when he arrived, he was basically a fourth starter for three positions. And I'd like to see him stay in that role. Like, I think Diaz is definitely the, the Mane replacement. You know, as we refresh the squad, 
I'd like us to see. To, I'd like to see us go and get you know an Inkunku type to bring in to be the Bobby you know replacement, even while keeping Bobby beyond this season. Because while he's at a contract in twenty twenty three as well, I don't think he has much value on the transfer market. I think he's one of those mm-hmm. kind of very specialized players that suits a certain way of playing, and not many clubs play. With with a Bobby type of player, so uh, Jota for me. If we went into the next season with, say, Salah and Kunku and Diaz as our front three, with Jota as the fourth who can start all across the line, so he get plenty of starts in in the league and the Champions League and in the cups. But if we're playing our best eleven, maybe he's the one that sits out, and then he's an unbelievable weapon off the bench because as we saw today, he can play really poorly. And you give him a half a chance and he scores. So I think that can be his role for us. And then, you know, Bobby would become the fifth forward, Tacky the sixth, and maybe Cade Gordon replaces Divock as the seventh forward mm-hmm. next year. I think if, you know, if Sadio goes this summer, you bring in Nkunku, he starts in between Mo and Diaz. Jota is the fourth one, Bobby the fifth. And then, you know, Tacky the sixth, Gordon the seventh. Tacky might leave the following summer. Gordon can step up one. And maybe then one of the other youngsters is able to to rise up into that that seventh role. Who, you know, he's on the bench in the cup games and that type of thing. I I think it's a good position to be in. But for me, with Jota, there's just there's too many inconsistencies in his game to mark him down as he should start every single game. You know, his touch can desert him for entire games. His link up play can desert him for entire games. His dribbling just disappears sometimes. One one game. He'll dribble past four or five people. You know, he'll play some great passes. The next game, he just can't find a teammate. And today was one of those games. Everything he tried went wrong, but he still scored a goal. And and that's what makes him so valuable to us. Yeah, absolutely. It's almost like a perfect upgrade on Origi, what he provided, but can provide much more as a starter. So, yeah, I I agree with that. But that was it for the first half, which we were the better team, but Forrest looked dangerous. And Lisa, I'll come to you. The second half starts with us pissing about at the back and trying to let Forrest score a goal. <laughs> yes, accurate. <laughs> Absolutely accurate. Uh, yeah, I don't. I mean, yeah, I don't know what what happened there, but they were um, they did not come out with the same mindset that they started the first half not on it at all um and (laughs) this is about the time my cat decided to come curl up in my lap so i couldn't take notes um (laughs) so i'm trying to remember yeah but no they the best excuse i've ever heard i like it (laughs) (laughs) she doesn't do it often so i have to take advantage um so yeah but no i mean you know i've i've got like you know jada took a shot but it didn't have any you know anything really behind it and and everything else but no we just didn't come out on it and i mean i was watching in discord everyone's like okay time to make some changes let's make some changes we need to make some changes and Mm. that was absolutely what i was you know hoping for was yeah let's this is not working and we need we need to change it up here yeah, we'll certainly talk about the subs in a sec because it did change the tide of the game for for good and bad, to be fair, but we'll come with that. Um, 
Yeah, Horrocks, I'll come to you. We have a couple chances before the subs. I mean, Jotter has a weak shot after good work from Nabby and Bobby. Uh, Ox has a deflected shot. Then we have that Gomez defending incident that um, Dave, other Dave mentioned earlier. Um, yeah, the first, the start of the second half, I should say, was a bit back and forth after a some, somewhat calm first half. Yeah, I just thought they came out with a lot more purpose than we did, and and that was kind of the opposite to how I thought it'd go. I thought we'd, you know, done enough in the first half to look like we we had control of the game. You know, it only takes one worldie from them, doesn't it? You know, but they never really looked like scoring. I didn't think. But then I, I think Allison played the ball straight to a Forest player, didn't they? And the ball came mm-hmm. back, and he, he was obviously offside. But you know the way the the crowds up and and loud and and they were loud and quite hostile all day. Um, it, it still gets the blood racing a little bit. That Jota chance, I I thought it the way he shaped his body, you know, to hit it in the far corner. I thought you're just expecting the net to to burst, but uh, yeah, he just hit it straight at the keeper, which is a bit of a disappointment. Um, yeah, I I just thought we we didn't. We didn't look awake. You know, everything was just a little bit sloppy again. The ball wasn't sticking with Jota. I thought some of the passing from Bobby was really sloppy as well. It, I just thought no one did particularly well. I, I thought Gomez was a little bit harshly treated. I thought the mm. the yellow card that he got, I didn't really think that there was anything in it. Yeah, he pushed him over, but... So what? There was loads of stuff like that going on all game. I, I think it might have been a cumulative one where because so many fouls have gone since that he has to give a yellow card to someone. But um, yeah, I, I honestly, I thought the subs changed the game a little bit in our favour. I think after the subs, I think we looked like we had a little bit more purpose again, a bit more control of the game. And uh, of course, we got, you know, Ox spitting his dummy there and I'm I'm left wondering... Do you actually think you played well there? <laughs> because that's not the same game I'm watching. Yeah, it was a strange one from Ox. I don't think he was dreadful because the first half it was loads of nothing from either team. Because as soon as we went to the final third, it was like, nope, that's where we'll finish. But Ox and Nabby tried stuff. I think Nabby yeah. had a bit more come off, but Ox kind of crosses hitting the first man, etc. But at least he tried stuff. But yeah. Not not enough to have a tantrum over. Um, but Hendrik, I'll come to you for the subs. It's, it's four subs from Klopp because we have a, a brief glimpse into the version where we get five subs in the league and then he goes mental every game. But we have Diaz on for Oxlade-Chamberlain, Minamino on for Elliot, Cater on for H- Henderson on for Cater, I should say, and Thiago on for Fabinho. Um, some of them you probably think is just rotation with Fabinho. And I thought Cater played quite well. I've seen a few people mm. say he played... Crap online. I was like, he's probably our best player. Um, and then Elliot and Oxlade not having the best performances. So just to mix that, what what did you make of the subs? Because I almost disagree with Horrocks there. I thought we kind of just went well. We're not getting extra time one way or another this game. We're either scoring or letting one in. Um, but yeah, I thought we lost control, but we seemed a bit more threatening. Yeah, but we lost control because we went to two man midfield and we put four up front basically. It was. Almost like a weird four-two-three-one, except Taki was playing really narrow on the right, mm. which would be fine, except for the fact that Joe Gomez is not exactly a, a rampaging overlapper down the that right hand side. 
Um, I was a bit surprised Bobby stayed on. I wasn't surprised Ox went off. I, I don't think he was dreadful, dreadful. He certainly wasn't good. But he was better than Harvey. He was better than, than Jota. Uh, he was better than Bobby. But, you know, Klopp decided to take off all three of the midfields. And you can't really argue with it, you know. I mean, I, I thought, like you, I thought Naby played really well. I thought it, first half he was the best player on the pitch. And I think even, even Ian Doyle, who is notorious for giving Naby 4 out of 10, gave him 8 out of 10 for his first half display and rated him as the best player on the pitch. So when even Doyler sees it, I think it's pretty obvious. Um, Henderson on for, for Fabinho, like Lisa Marie said earlier, I thought, I thought that one was one that might have been at the start. I thought he might have started Henderson and left Fab out. But, you know, the only like I said, the only surprise was that he took off Naby and left Bobby on. I, I thought when I saw the subs coming on, it would have been Diaz for Harvey, Tacky for Bobby, Henderson for Fab, and Thiago for Ox. I thought, thought that would have been the four, and he would have left on um, left on Jota, purely on the basis that he's the one that might get you a goal, and left on Naby because he was the only one really that was playing well, other than Fab, who was an obvious one to come off just to keep him keep him fresh. But Klopp doesn't want to take any risks. With Naby or Thiago, there will be no risks taken. Because when we have one of them on the pitch, we will win. And as long as one of them starts every single game and the other can come on for them, we have a real chance of of doing, you know, the unspeakable and winning the quadruple this year because they just make us so much better. I'm guessing he's at Guinea duty. I guess he is. I haven't really looked. Um, Actually, is he? Unless it it might be friendlies. Uh, Yeah, I know Senegal played. Egypt, don't they? But yeah, so there's no a World Cup qualifier, but maybe a friendly. They do. They have two games. They play South Africa in a friendly, and then they play Zambia also right. in a friendly. Neither of them are in Guinea. Both of them are away, which means extra travel, which isn't ideal at all. Um, you'd wonder if we might hear tomorrow about one or two hamstring strains. He's ill. Yeah, I don't for one like I don't for one second have any want to see any of our players go and play international football. I'd, I'd rather have them all get injured. Like, you know, play the game, get injured or injured, quote unquote, you know, in the warm down session or something, and all yeah. of a sudden I'm sorry, he just can't go on international duty. They have to stay behind. LFC because... Twitter account just shows him limping a bit, and then he's yeah. running down the tunnel. <laughs> Just a picture of Naby. Just someone yeah. walk up and hand him a set of crutches. And he takes them and looks a bit bemused. Just take yeah. a picture and put it out there. Naby Keita leaves the city ground on, with, with use of crutches and just say, sorry, Guinea, he can't go. Tiago can't go anywhere. Fab can't go anywhere. Tiago didn't uh, pick them, I don't think. Probably not. Probably not. Louis Enrique is an idiot. Mm. But any of them, any of them that are important, I wouldn't be letting them go anywhere because they're, they're just too important to us. Yeah, we did it. We did it with England, which was great. Thanks, Trent. Uh, but yeah, it was. Uh, it was. Uh, I I do agree. I think we made the subs that protected a couple of players, as as you say, and some some needed the change up. Um, yeah, I, my next note is Gomez and Van Dyke pissing about at the back. I think that was a Forest chance. 
Forrest should score. Virgil went walkies into midfield. I think he, he tried to tackle someone and kind of got played around, but we didn't really react that well afterwards either. Um, but Lisa Marie, I mean, they should score, but then we obviously go up the field. I mean, it's a range of emotions and a few mins there. <laughs> it was definitely a roller coaster there, wasn't it? Uh, down, up, down. Um, yeah. Um, and, and I missed a little bit of the buildup to where um, Jada... Jada actually scored. I had kind of looked away, so I didn't didn't quite see the the buildup for that. I mean, I did see the replay. So, you know, the other thing I kind of made note was, you know, we haven't really talked about, but um, Costas was kind of getting sloppier and sloppier as as the mm. game went on. I mean, you know, his he wasn't outstanding in the first half, but it just felt as though as the second half went on, he was just he kept shooting. <laughs> First, he loved the shot. Yeah, I mean, he was just, he was looking kind of making just even sloppy mistakes, even a little bit in defending as well, I think, if if I'm remembering mm. correctly. Um, yeah, 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 so, you know, and, you know, I mean, it, it all turned out okay, so there's no point in, you know, picking that apart. But it was, he was not as sharp as he usually is when he comes on and plays, I think was, is probably just the biggest takeaway from it. You know, we always... And then, you know, maybe he was just due to not have a great game, but I would prefer that, you know, he didn't do it at the same time as, you know, two or three other players were also doing the same thing. So, uh, absolutely. But no, it was. I mean, we we gifted them a couple chances, and thank goodness mm. they weren't able to take advantage of them. Yeah, and then there was one big moment to finish the game, but we'll get to that, don't worry. Um, Horrors. Yes, absolutely. Horrocks, I'll come to you. I mean, I will read you what my note actually says. Undelete my note about a goal because I thought it was offside. <laughs> Simi to Jota, yes, 1-0. I mean, the camera angles at the city ground, I, just, I don't know how that works, but it looks offside on one and then it's onside clearly on the other. It was it's a mad camera angle they have there, but yeah, I'm sure everyone thought that was offside at first, but... It's a hell of a finish from a player who was playing really bad, as we keep saying. <laughs> but he's just, again, I think I'm, I'm the only person who thinks this, but Jota's just got that Robbie Fowler kind of essence about him for me. You know, just I think it's probably his size and his stature and everything that, that kind of makes me think that. But he cannot play well and just pop up with that goal. And it, it, it's not just about, you know, he barely got his studs on it did he you know and and just gets enough on it but uh it's the positioning it's the movement as well and you know again lee dixon same as you absolutely called it as offside and i'm like but look at the grass lines for me it was obvious you could see the grass lines and the the camera angle yeah he looked offside but just basic physics <laughs> where the camera nah. angle was was not in line with the players so I, I thought it would be close, and actually, when when they showed the the lines, you know, it didn't seem to be that close. We've seen closer, um, but uh, yeah, I, I, it, it certainly wasn't as offside as as it first appeared from the camera angles. But it, it seldom is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my first clue should be agreeing with Lee Dix, I suppose. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, God. He was but, so boring. Uh, I mean, uh, I think it was on... So we scored about 79. It was 75 where they had that real chance down yeah. our left. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. That, 
when the striker puts that wide of the post, I must admit, at that point, I'm thinking, okay, that, that was it. That was their chance. And I don't see them having as good a chance again. No, and apart from the penalty shot, which we'll discuss him diving for <laughs> in mm. a minute. Um, yeah, and Hendrik, coming to you, I mean, it looked offside, clearly wasn't, but as Lisa Marie said earlier, Simicast had probably a bit of a sloppy game, but I guess it was COVID, because we just said illness, but people don't disappear with a cold nowadays, do they? Um, but yeah, Simicast looking a tad sloppy, but cutting on his right foot, nice cross to Jota, nice finish, moments of quality off Probably two disappointing performers, but a goal is a goal. Yeah, that's exactly it. A goal is a goal, and that's all that really matters. And yeah, the thing with Costas is is how little he's played recently. I mean, he was playing really well at the start of the season, and then Robbo obviously came back and has been full Robbo power for months now. So if I'm not mistaken, Costas played against Norwich, hasn't played yeah. since. So that's nearly three weeks. Before that, I'm struggling. Did he play Cardiff? Would that have been it? Probably, he did. Yeah. He played Cardiff. So basically, Costas has played three games now in six weeks. He hasn't even had Greece games in between. Then, That's he? it. And it's it's just like it's a lot to ask of a lad to just be out in the cold, out in the cold, and then like and then not even come like and then just come in and play one game. He didn't even play against Shrewsbury in the third round. He might come off the bench. He did. He came off the bench. We didn't get the start in that one. So he's just not been playing regularly. You can see when he gets the ball, he's got things he wants to do and there's certain things he's very comfortable with. Him and Jota down that left isn't a partnership that really works all that well. Jota's not particularly good at that drop-off, pick the ball up, spin, draw the defender, slip the return ball for the fullback that we've seen Mane do, for, as example, three years now. Mane does that with Robbo constantly. Mm-hmm. Picks the ball up, slips it behind the fullback, and Robbo's in. Mane does it well with Costas. We've seen Diaz starting to do that with Robbo as well. But it's not part of Jota's game. It's not something he does. He gets the ball. He wants to start driving in field. And Costas was making a number of runs first half and just not getting anywhere. I'd also give... Cost us a, a bit of leeway here. I thought Jed Spence was absolutely outstanding for them at right back. And he blocked every single cross or made it really difficult to get a decent cross in. And every time Costas was driving forward, he had Lolly chasing him and then he was running into the wall with Spence. And Spence just stood him up and stood him up and didn't jump in. I thought. It was a really mature performance from from the Forest fullback today, and I thought it just affected Costas because if if Spence had been rash and kind of jumped in, Costas is really good at just nicking the ball away and then slinging that cross in. And today, he just he didn't get those opportunities defensively. Lolly's very quick; he's very direct; he's quite aggressive. Caused Costas some problems. Then Brennan Johnson moves across that side; he's lightning quick. And yet, I thought Costas defensively did quite well. Obviously, on the ball, he wasn't as good as we'd expect. But I, I do think a lot of that is just rust. Three games in six weeks. Mm-hmm. That's you know, and like you said, he's been out with this illness. And I, I like you, I'd assume it's COVID. I think that's the second time he's had it now. But it is just a bit 
a bit of a big ask for him to come back in in what was a fairly frantic game. Like, let's give Forrester mm-hmm. credit here. They did give us a hell of a game. We didn't play close to the level we're capable of, but they gave us a really good test today. And for all the yeah, Arsenal fans, the Arsenal and West, yeah. that's exactly it. For all the Arsenal fans that will, you know, are on social media crowing to see even about how we've gotten lucky again, Forrest knocked the E out. Uh, Forrest gave us a tougher game today than he did in the in the middle of the week. Like they actually <laughs> should have scored a couple of goals. You didn't create anything, so hush. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, I think a lot of it has to be credit to them. Even the the poor performance of certain Liverpool individuals. You know, Bobby Joe Worrell was brilliant today. Joe Worrell was voted man of the match. Now it was obviously by Lee Dixon and Sam Matterface who were a very, very strange combination of human beings. But Joe Worrell was outstanding today. Spence was outstanding. I thought the keeper had a good game for them. Um, I thought Callback did fairly well dealing with Harvey in the first half. Their midfield worked really, really hard. Their strikers were big and bustly and physical. And while they didn't threaten much, they did give Virgil and and Ibu a tough enough time, just from a physicality point of view. You know, knocked both of them on their backsides a couple of times. And that's part and parcel playing a lower league team in the in the in the cup. They're always going to get right up for it. That's the biggest game played at that ground in twenty years. You know, since whenever the last time they were going for promotion was. That's that's a massive game for their for them today. And Steve Cooper will have gotten right inside their heads and, and had them properly hyped for him. The result, from our point of view, is a couple of our players have poor games, sloppy games. But if you look at it objectively, it's in large part just because they played very, very well. They gave us a really big test today. You know, their energy didn't drop. They gave us absolute 95 minutes of absolute commitment. And we're pushing and trying to get an equaliser right till the end. And they did create a couple of decent chances in the game. I'll ask uh, other day of this as well, but Hendrik, I'll say, I mean, they should be a Premier League team, really, looking at that. Yeah, I'd say if you look at their starting eleven today, um, they could do the new keeper. Horvat did well. I, I don't like Bryce Samba, who's the other keeper there. Mentally, um, I love him. <laughs> Spence is definitely a Premier League player. Worrell is a Premier League player. Callback probably isn't anymore, but was at his peak. Yates could, could play in the Premier League. I think Garner's a very bright and promising midfielder. Um, McKenna, who would normally start, he's definitely a Premier League caliber centre-back. The other one who starts for them is, what's his name? They brought him in from Bournemouth, um, Steve Cook. He's garbage. He's not a Premier League player. But McKenna and Worrell and Spence out of the back five definitely are. Uh, Yates and Garner definitely are. Zinkerneckel could play in the Premier League, no problem. Brennan yeah, Johnson could play in the Premier League. Yes, he's on loan from Watford. Yeah, he's on loan from Watford. Um, yeah, they probably have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven, maybe eight Premier League players at the club. Now, unfortunately for them, one or two of them are in on loan, but well, two, Spence and, and Zinkerneckel are in on, on loan. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they'd need to replace them or be able to extend those loans. But yeah, I mean, they're, they're definitely good enough. When you look at their form, they started the season dreadfully, 
took like one point from the first seven games. And since then, if you go back and look at their last uh, 20, how many games they played in the, in the, I think they've played 37, 38 games. Over the last 31 games, they've actually been, I think, the second best team in the league behind Fulham. Yeah, they said that in commentary, I think. So that's, like, that's a hell of a run, considering where they were as well. Like, dead on confidence, going nowhere, going down. They were going down mm-hmm. if under Chris Hewton. There was no doubt. They just looked horrendous. They looked completely lost. Cooper t- came in, no preseason, no time to mess about. Just got straight to work, set them up properly, and they're a completely different team. And they are since since Cooper took over, they're probably the second best team in the division, not just on terms of form or form, but performance level as well. They've had a couple of games go against them where they played really well. So yeah, I, I'd like to see I'd love to see Forrest back in the, the Premier League. I mean, they're they're a great historic club, and obviously, you know, there's History with us and them and their fans, I thought, let themselves down with some of the always oh, the victim yeah, nonsense yeah. today. Especially considering their the club same, have yeah. have you know sectioned off ninety seven seats, and for then the fans to act like that, it's a little bit weird. But you know, there's there's a lot to like about Forest as a club, and they have that tremendous history of having won two European Cups, and you know they've got the Brian Clough stand, which stares directly at the Peter Taylor stand, and those two men. Arrived in the seventies, took a a champion or well the equivalent of a championship club to back to back European cups. I said this to you on Friday. It would be the equivalent of Steve Cooper taking them up this season, winning the Premier League next season, and then winning back to back Champions Leagues. Just imagine for one second how mental that would be. If that's what could happen, it won't happen. We know it won't happen, oh, but yeah. that's basically what Clough and Taylor did there, and. You know, I'd always rather have one of the English clubs have won European Cups in the top flight because at the end of the day, I mean, Nottingham Forest are a bigger club than Man City. <clears throat> <laughs> yes. I yes, tell you what, are. Brian Clough would have gone fucking mad at some of that shit the Forest fans were chanting today. He wouldn't have stood for it. To be fair, wasn't Clough a bit like that? Didn't he say some stuff about Hillsborough? I may be, I may be he, he did, he did, but he did, to my knowledge, he apologised late in his right. life, but he did make comments multiple times about things, but he, Dave is right though, he would not have stood for that type of negativity from the crowd, his belief was that if you went to the game, you were there to support and cheer your team on, you weren't there to boo, you weren't there to jeer the opposition, you're there to support your team. And this is a man who once punched a pitch invader in the face yep. and then convinced the pitch invader that they should apologize to him. And they did. And they did on national television at a press conference. When he was getting slated, he brought this young man out and this man apologized to him for going on his pitch. Um, Cluffy was great, Tommy. I mean, Clough... Clough always said, you know, my door is open. Players can come and speak to me if they think that I'm in the wrong somewhere. They're more than welcome to come and talk to me. We'll discuss it for a few minutes. We'll agree that I'm right. And then they'll go about their business. It's just a a different breed. Absolutely different breed. (laughs) 
He did sound like a character, to be fair. Uh, Horrocks, I'll come to you. I mean, we've probably been about an hour now, so we've, we've only got a couple more things to go through. The penalty to Forrest. I mean, at first, I was thinking, ooh, looks like one. You see the replay. He's basically straddled the challenge, or the arm from Allison, and then it is a dive, let's be honest. I think Roy Keane said in the punditry afterwards, he should, if he was more clever, he probably could have won it, but that's probably the end of it, really. He, he just wasn't clever enough with it. Bit of a crap dive. Didn't get it. I, I don't know how he could have been cleverer though i mean the the trouble is with some of these replays and some of the var decisions you just it, it's as random as when we didn't have var you know so i i, I see it and it's obvious that he's dragged his it's almost like there. the refs are the issue <laughs> oh absolutely they are so when it happens in real time i think we're in trouble here that that looks like a penalty and he does that thing that so many of the players do. That, that I mean, fucking, that's Harry Kane. I know I keep going on about Harry Kane. It's a fucking penalty if that's him. So he's forced the contact, but because of like the movement of his legs, unless he puts his foot down to force the contact, he just runs right over Allison's arm. So I, mm-hmm. I don't know how he could be cleverer. Um, because he he has to make movement towards Allison to force the contact. So, yeah, in real time, thought he was nailed on penalty, but then you see it and you think, no, it's not. But then there's that uncertainty, isn't it? It's like, well, how is the ref going to see this? Who's in the stand kind of thing? So, yeah, I was really. I don't even know who was on VAR. It could have been Stuart Atwell making up rules again. Probably, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, then it would have been a penalty, wouldn't it? Exactly, that's true. (laughs) So that's the randomness, isn't it? Like I say, when you see the the replay, you're thinking, I should be quite chilled at this point. But yeah, it it was a big relief when it didn't come. Yeah, Lisa Marie, I mean, just, you think at the time, crap. (laughs) But you do see the replay, and it's it's definitely not a penalty. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Um, you know, but it was, I was like, ooh, but we, they didn't call the goal offside on us, so was that our good luck bar-wise for, you know, this month? Um, the season. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, or the season. And uh, yeah, I absolutely agree with uh, Dave Horrocks that, yes, if Harry Kane had done that, he probably would have been awarded two penalty kicks because, you know, he's Harry Kane. Um, but don't get me started on him. Yeah, no, um, I mean, but right, when you looked at the, when you saw it slowed down in the replay, it, it absolutely wasn't a penalty, but I really was. I was crossing my fingers and hoping, hoping, hoping that they weren't, that they weren't going to be given that. Yeah, yeah, and unfortunately weren't. But that's basically it for the game. I mean, one more thing before we go. Hendrik, I have to come to you. Then bringing on a random lad called Cafu. It's just great crack, I think. So, I think there should be a rule. Like, do you remember when the whole John Flanagan nonsense, the Scouse Cafu, began? And it was just like, you're channeling the name of one of the great fullbacks for a fellow with the footballing ability of a, an office desk. And this tree comes onto the pitch today with Cafu emblazoned on his shirt. Now, there should just be a rule that if you're 
going to go by the name of one of the great players, you should have to have a certain level of ability. Like, there should be an independent adjudicator so that when he decides he wants to go by the name Cafu, someone goes out and watches him play, and if he's not good enough, they just say no. Like, this fella's name is Carlos Miguel Ribeiro Diaz. There is absolutely no warranting of the name Cafu. He doesn't it's not even part play right of his back. name. No, he is a mule of a Ford who can also play <laughs> up front. It's the same thing like with players that wear just their first name. Like, so Virgil, absolutely fine. No problem with him having Virgil on the back of his jersey. But for certain others, you're like, how are you going? Like, you're not. This is like people, shit musicians wanting to be Prince or Madonna or something, you're not good enough to go by one name only, and you're not good enough to go by such a name, especially when it's not part of your name. If his name, if it was his first name or his middle name or something, he'd have a case. But this, this is a nonsense, and I want this investigated. I want his family members brought up. Who has convinced him to do this? Who has told him this is a good idea? Who's ever told him he's good enough to go by? This type of title, it, it just it, it bothers me. It really does. Guys had one good season in his entire career. Get that off your jersey. Your name is Diaz, son. You'd have thought it. You'd have thought he wouldn't want to be associated with Cafu unless mm. you're on a proper elite level. Can you imagine like someone just turns up at the the football ground like for a five aside and it's like, "What's your name, mate? Oh, it's Maradona." Oh, fucking hell, this guy must be meant, you know? Yeah, that's <laughs> exactly it, like. You know, lads just giving themselves nicknames to make themselves... <laughs> like, maybe when he was, like, I don't know, eight or nine, back in Portugal, he played a bit of right back in his local team, and someone said, he's our Cafu. And he's just taking... Like, you know... You know the people that when you're on a night out, there's always one idiot that starts singing songs and he just he or she just cannot carry a tune at all. And you listen to him and you're thinking, what's happened here is when you were six or seven, whenever there was like a family function, you'd start singing and it'd be like strangling cats and your granny or a nice aunt would go, oh, you have a lovely voice. And what they do is they do it to stop you singing and engage you in conversation so you'd stop singing and destroying their eardrums. But those people would think back 20 years later on a night out and think, well, I remember my granny told me I was a good singer, so I'm going to have a song here. That, that's what's happened with this fella. Someone, when he was eight, has said, oh, he plays like Cafu. You know, he's quick, he's direct, he gets the ball, he runs down the wing. And he's thought, oh, that's it. That's me, Cafu. So he's rocked up at some point in his career and someone said, name, and he goes, Cafu. They're like, right, what's your actual name? Oh, no, it is Cafu. So someone's written it down somewhere and it's been put in a newspaper somewhere and then that's it, it's just run away with itself. But like I said, independent adjudicator, bring them in, interview the whole family, see if there's any kind of, you know, I don't know what it would be. I don't know what sort of condition would, would would you'd have to have, affliction you'd have to have to go by that name when you've got all the footballing ability, you know, of a tree. You have to be at least 25 to earn a nickname, I think. That's how we go with this. But you, you've got, like, you've got to be at least a starter in a well, good yeah. team, not a bench player in a championship team to go with the name Cafu. Hey, we've got, got him talking about him. <laughs> 
It's got us talking doing... about him. That's all that matters. He's going to be doing keepy uppies on Britain's Got Talent, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, be him, him and that weird fella from um, the F2 freestylers. What's his name? The one that was at Arsenal. He thought oh, he was the best player the best at the club. Player. And then it got that got debunked as well. Yeah, because it turned out when he was at Arsenal and he was sixteen, the the Arsenal Invincibles were rocking around the place. Yeah, good lad, Jeremy or something. I think Jeremy his name Lynch is it? Yeah, like that's him. him. Yeah. It'll be him and Cafu on the next season of Britain's Got Talent. Find a Rob, find someone called Roberto Carlos as well. You got a you got a triple act there. Oh dear, but that's basically it for the game. I mean, Cafu had a chance. He kind of just blazed it over, and then Jota and I know it had the worst shot in history. But that is basically it. But we'll finish up there. Does uh, Hendrik will come to you anything you want to plug before we go? Uh, two footed pod every day at 4 pm, daily red every day around lunchtime. There will be a couple of scouteds this week. There will be a couple of old schools coming up. I think we're going to try and do three across the next two weeks. And there are a couple of episodes of on the books coming as well myself and trev having a read about well one book in particular will be uh, a brian clough related book so you know it's nice timing after this one um but yeah that's it lovely stuff horrocks anything from you no just delighted with the results ultimately you know when if we go on and win this thing no one cares about this game it's just job done that's all it is we didn't play particularly well Forrest played well and and give us a bit of a game but uh yeah it's all about just getting the result onto the next one and what a bunch of games we've got coming up and I just can't wait I've said it many times but this does feel to me like 2001 where we were just having a final every few days there was such a massive game coming up and you're just thinking I, I don't know how the squad can keep going and and then and then they do so i just this season is unbelievable and so i'm just happy and uh, you know particularly fighting city on three fronts now i just want it to keep going as long as possible i did forget to get thoughts on man city as well but i'll maybe go back to you lisa marie any any plugs from you and your thoughts on man city in the next round um latest main ai pod is out one two reds and we've Pretty much been keeping to a regular Friday schedule, so you can catch me with Trev and uh, Cam on that. And uh, Man City, I really wanted us to get Palace, but you know, I guess we can't have it all. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, they had to give us. They had to give City us because they were trying to give them Nottingham Forest because obviously lower league team, That's and we've true. just spoiled yeah. the party. Yeah, we we can't get we can't get lucky twice in a row, can we? So, yeah, no, it's it's definitely April is going to be quite the month, quite the month, and um, it might turn my hair gray, but that's okay. Yeah, I'm just glad we didn't get Man City in the Champions League, because I could not be dealing with April then, because that would have oh, been horrid. Oh, amen. Yeah, that would have been horrid, uh, but we'll finish up there. I mean, Dave will put, the, Hendrick will go in on his other shows, and Horrocks, I am assume, just said, I wish it was Palace, but we got City. Um but that's it everyone thank you everyone for listening thank you especially everyone who's been in the live chat contributing thank you goodbye we hope you enjoyed listening to this anfield index show please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically there's nothing quite like fan engagement and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show 
The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.